0: Can I? So your pastor is, is loving Matthew except when he doesn't love Matthew. <laughs> Don't you love the Bible except when, it, when the Bible gets hold of you in a way you weren't sure you were ready to be gotten hold of? I mean, you know, you're reading along in the Bible and all of a sudden you go, <clears throat> wait, he's talking about me. <laughs> well, I'm we'll talking about... The spirit of offense and how being offended has to do with losing and gaining perspective. Interesting thing on this, I have been kind of fixed on this subject for a lot of years. Everybody who knows anything about New Life City knows I'm going to talk about living an unoffendable life. And listen, can I tell you something? If you know anything about preachers, the reason preachers always preach most about their own sins. Right, Gary? Right, Gary? Yeah. So, you know, preachers, smart preachers are real careful about, wait a minute, I've talked about this too much. Somebody's going to get the wrong idea. And uh, uh, the truth is about being offended. This is one of those things that the truth is, we, are, we lose our balance on this. Like, can we go daily? Can we just do daily? Let's just do daily. Um, but I want to talk to you about, again, about offense. And I'm going to keep the passage of scripture narrow. Uh, But I have discovered that most Christians don't spend much time thinking about this because being offended is almost a Christian virtue. (laughs) Because much of our fellowship is sitting around talking about uh, an agreement about who we're offended about. Probably should go to lunch by yourself today. (laughs) Eight people go in. We need eight tables. (laughs) That'll keep you from, you know, doing that. Uh, But it's it's really, really, really a hard thing. And the reason that I want this in my life is because I'm going to tell you the end from the beginning. Offense prevents the blessing in your life. offense prevents blessing on your soul, your mind, even your body. And so what we're going to do is we're going to step into a place where, uh, because uh, when I first started reading the Bible, I just thought all these Bible guys, you know, glowed in the dark. And the more you read it, the more you go, yeah, they're kind of just like us which is one of the most beautiful things about the Bible. The Bible does not glamorize its heroes. It it gives us an unvarnished view of us. Matthew chapter 11, verse one, when Jesus finished instructing his 12 disciples. Now remember, we were on the instructions of the disciples about doing what? Going out, healing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, all in the name of Jesus. And oh, by the way, going without any money, going without anything to take care of you. And oh, by the way, running into people who are going to be mean to you. I'll never forget the time we sent, I was in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and we had a pastor that had received a call to go to a church in Abilene, Texas. And there's this old country song, and we took the words of that song and messed with it. People there are gonna treat you mean in Abilene. <laughs> Jesus said, People are gonna treat you mean. And um, we weren't prophesying over our pastor. We loved him. We were teasing him. <laughs> he found out it was true, but anyway. <laughs> and and uh, in the midst of that, when he finished, it says he says, went, He went on from there. To teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison, this is John the Baptist, I always just call him John Baptist. About the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? When I first started reading the Bible, this verse perplexed me a great deal. Because I said, what happened to that other John? Where did he go? You know that guy that said, I see the Holy Spirit on this one. He's the anointed one of God. What happened to that guy? Well, what happened to that guy is the same thing that happens to you and I every day. I think I should have said you and me. Happens to us all the time. It happens, it happens a lot of times when you just you come in here and, and somebody doesn't speak to you, it happens. You came in and this was the friendliest church you've ever been in, and then all of a sudden it's like, nobody speaks to me. And you start going, wait a minute, am I ugly and did my mother dress me funny? Or somebody just tells you that, that's so. And you get offended. Guarantee you, what happens to you when you get offended, you shut down. This is a first date lesson, guys. (laughs) And oh, by the way, guys, that behavior that you have on that first date and in those subsequent times afterwards when you're trying to get her to fall in love with you, she doesn't understand it when you normalize. (laughs) She doesn't get it. But offense, Offense shuts you down inside. Do you think prison might shut you down? Yes. <laughs> prison might shut you down. In fact, do you know what Jesus did when John went to prison? He left town. <laughs> in case you missed it, in case you missed it, he split. You know what Jesus did when John sent, said to his followers, you got to go follow him. And Jesus was baptizing, was receiving and baptizing more disciples than John. And John was saying, I have to decrease. He has to increase. And Jesus split. You got to think about these things. This is like real stuff. It's in the Bible. If you read this stuff, you go, wait, I would be offended too. As far as we can tell, he didn't even go check on John. See, if I put this in a real human perspective, I could, if I worked this real hard, I could get you offended with Jesus. <laughs> because we like John, don't we like John? <laughs> we understand how John is feeling. So I'm telling you, prison unsettled him. Now, don't be surprised about this because look, if you have, a mighty, if you have mighty experiences with the Holy Spirit, sometimes life can make you go was that really God? Was that prophetic word I received? Was that really from the Lord? And so your sobriety after you're high on the great things of God can sometimes put you in a place where you go, I'm not even sure anymore. And he was so unsure, he sent his disciples, go ask him if he's the guy. And then what Jesus said is also, it's a beautiful thing. What did Jesus get called? He said, John heard in prison about the deeds of the what? And and Christ means what? The anointed one. In other words, John who said, I see the anointing. Then he heard about the deeds of the anointed one. He heard about the deeds of the anointed one. And there was something inside of John that felt an incongruency between what he was hearing about, about the deeds of the the anointed one, and what he perceived about the anointed one. And suddenly he's unsettled, and he's unsettled profoundly, profoundly enough to send a delegation and, and get it clarified. And Jesus answered, go tell John what you see and hear. And then the report he gives is beautifully just exactly like what he sent his disciples to do. And it's beautifully what he had modeled before he sent them. Go tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them and tell him to get over himself. That's the Alan Hawkins standard version. (laughs) Can't get it anywhere at all. (laughs) And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Do you feel a little bit of a rebuke in that? Because if you do, you're hearing right. Because what happens when you're offended? Your heart closes. I know 100% that I'm standing in front of a large group of people who would say, if they're telling the truth, my heart is either closed or it's closed towards someone or I know what it's like to have my heart closed. It's a really bad feeling. And it's really especially bad when you're around people whose heart is not closed toward that person and they're extolling the blessings that they've received at that person's hands. And in your heart is a desire to set them right. (laughs) If you really knew him... The reason that I sound so clear on this is because I'm really familiar with it. (laughs) I have a PhD in an offended heart. It's greater than the degrees I hold, by the way. I'm not kidding around, but listen, when you find this in the Bible, you've got to go after it, right? And listen, last of all, what do we go? Offended at Jesus? who could possibly be offended at Jesus well John <laughs> Matthew chapter 3:12 this is what i said to you earlier when he heard that john had been arrested he withdrew into galilee oh by the way this is the one who will later say i was in prison and you didn't visit me see i can make you get offended at jesus with his own words can i get a witness This is scaring me as I preach it. (laughs) Leaving Nazareth, he lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. The way by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee and the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. So he went on mission. For those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them the light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Where do you get that message? John. John. So he goes out and he's preaching John's sermons. You haven't lived until you've seen somebody get more fruit with your sermons than you're getting. i telling you, man, I hang out with famous preachers and I hear them and I say, that's my sermon. Or, but worse than that, I'll say, I read that sermon in a book. I know where they got that sermon. <laughs> Did I tell you that I was really good at being offended? I, I, I can do anything better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Offense. It's just everywhere. I promise you, somebody will leave here this morning having to go. I'm offended. Uh, 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 I don't care. I'm still offended. <laughs> Something happened in the nursery. Something happened in the greeting. Something happened in the offering. The preacher went too long. And he's wrong about what he said anyway. It was amazing i listen i met jesus i fell in love with jesus i dove into the bible i ate the bible i swallowed the bible i got the bible inside of me and i looked around and started judging everybody by the bible i suddenly knew what was wrong with everybody (laughs) i became an expert on what's wrong with you Gary and I had a nice little brief conversation about moving back to the South. Hallelujah. <laughs> there might be a little bit of religion in the South, just a little Maybe. Of course, here's what I found out. Every time I think I get rid of my religion it sort of refashions in some other form and comes out in me. Because it's necessary to be sufficiently offended to feel righteous about yourself. I hate this sermon. I'm going to repent and stop, stop doing it other thing was, it's just, it's really shocking to think about being offended at Jesus. You and I have such a view of Jesus, we can't imagine being offended at him, but I want you to know he lived in a world where everybody was offended at him all the time, because what he came to do and bring did not match with their expectations. What he came doing and bringing did not match with their practices. What what he was, how he presented himself, it didn't fit for them, and it's still that way. So, I just decided, let me, say, let me just do a little quick survey. I said, let me just go through John, I mean, Matthew so far. I keep saying that. I keep calling Matthew John. Let's just go through Matthew so far, just up to where we've been, up to chapter 10, and see uh, what are they all upset about? Well, it doesn't take very long for us to find out that Jesus says, well, Jesus runs into somebody who says, well, I got to take care of my dad. And Jesus says, let dead people do that. I'm sorry, that's offensive. And next thing you know, the disciples are in a boat and they're rowing for their lives, and the dude is asleep in the boat. There, the storm is coming. The waves are coming. The wind is coming. They're all fighting. And he's just, rock a baby. And one of the gospels says, don't you even care, dude? If we're, we're perishing, we're dying here. And then there's the moment where he casts the, remember the guy that the guy that everybody's afraid of. Jesus cast the demons out of that. One version one said there's two of them. The, the people that, you know, nobody go down that street because that guy is there. Nobody go over to that, that guy is there. Don't go to that part of town, that guy is there. Jesus cleans the dude up. But in the meantime, he said to the demons that were in him, ah, have those hogs. We're not eating that stuff right now anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And they begged him, will you please leave? (laughs) Dr. Jesus, we're just fine. Thank you. You can go now. (laughs) Go somewhere else. Leave our pig pen alone. (laughs) And then he forgave sins. He forgave sins and the religious people got mad at him. Can you imagine coming to church and somebody saying your sins are forgiven and everybody's mad? (laughs) Listen, this happens all the time, by the way. Some roguish person gets saved and everybody who's mad at that person is mad they got saved because they hadn't settled accounts with them. (laughs) But Jesus claims to forgive sins and they say their first deal is who the heck do you think you are? Can I tell you that when the phrase, who do you think you are comes out of your mouth, you're probably on the wrong side of something. <laughs> That's just a clue. <laughs> who do think he is? If you ever feel that way about me, just call me. I promise you, I'll tell you. Make you matter. I'm, I usually say I'm as bad as you think I am and worse. And then he gets Matthew from the tax bench. And they go, dude, eats with tax gatherers and sinners. I saw him eating in a bar. Really? What were you doing there? (laughs) I was just going by. It had a big window. And I saw inside. (laughs) I was totally scary last night. I can remember when for for a Christian to go into a place that served liquor was a scandal. (laughs) On Sunday. <laughs> and then of course the religious one, we're all fasting. Why don't you guys fast? So this is just a small list of the offenses that come and one more, my favorite of all, he casts out demons by the power of the devil. He, God's not with him, the devil, he, he's filled with the devil. I think I've actually said that about some people. <laughs> now this is just a short list. Can't say something about every one of those people, they were in danger of missing the blessing. Your offended heart, my offended heart separates us from the grace of God. Immediately your mind goes to the older brother who's offended at the lavish forgiveness given to the younger Scalawag. You've been there, I've been there. it's just so, so so shocking because what happens to me is I'll catch myself in something like this and then my mind immediately goes to work telling me why, no, no, this is different this is different because I'm right I am right dead right yes you are you're right and you're dead <laughs> when you're when you're that right you go dead inside listen some of us even make pay of this you'll mention somebody and you'll say he's dead to me because of the offense I don't like this. I have to every time I preach a sermon like this. I have to make phone calls, or write letters, and, <laughs> and I have to say I'm repenting because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is on the other side of your fence. It's within grasp. But as long as my offended heart stays like it is, it's just beyond my grasp. Now, listen, I'm, by the way, I know implicitly I'm giving you permission to tell me when you see me acting this way, which you will. Because <sighs> this, is, this is just one of those recycling things. If you go out into the community, you talk to people about whether they go to church or not. What are you going to find out? That offense has driven them from those hypocrites in the church. They're much more comfortable with the hypocrites in the world because they expect them there. I expect them everywhere. The man in the mirror. This is just so practical. You can see it. You can feel it. This is just so practical, right? Right? Every every once in a while, somebody says, I wish pastor would be practical. And then I'm practical. And they say, can you go back to your theology, please? (laughs) Go back to your theology. The kingdom and all of the blessings. Jesus is talking about a kingdom where the blessings of the presence of God are there for us. And the kingdom is just beyond our offended heart. Please don't let offense keep you from the blessing of Jesus. It's the it's the it's the thing that forty something years in ministry, Gary. He swam through a swamp of uh, alligator offense to survive. And as he told me last night, he's still going to minister as long as there's breath in his body. Right? Okay, so so here's where we're going. If you're going to hang out with Jesus, you're going to both be offended and you're going to deal with a world full of offended people. All right, so let's... Uh, let's first of all, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to make the application. Let's think about John's kingdom imperative. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. John's imperative was, this is why he was sent to preach the nearness of the kingdom. If this was so beautiful and so important because they'd been waiting for their entire history, but they'd been waiting specifically for 500 years. They'd been waiting for 500 years for the manifestation of the kingdom. They've been watching the kingdoms of this world come along. They've been, they've been dealing with um, the Greeks, the Romans, the Medo-Persians. They've been dealing with the kingdoms of this world and now they're in the midst of the, the Roman kingdom and some of them know that according to the prophets... They're near the time. And then there emerges a prophet. And uh, by the way, there'd been, many believe, about 400 years of prophetic silence until the birth of Jesus, until the birth of John Baptist. And then John comes, and under unction of the Holy Spirit, he says it's time for us all now to get ready, repent, change our minds, change our minds, The kingdom's at hand. We got to get a new perspective. Well, the present kingdom wasn't very happy with that message. And so it was because it says in chapter 14 of Matthew, we'll come to this and look at it in more detail. For Herod had seized John, bound him, put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Now see, listen, when we're dealing with the spirit of offense, this does not eliminate confrontation as a way of living. In other words, you, still, you don't stop confronting wrong in order to deal with this heart thing. You still confront wrong. You see, I can confront people all the time that I love and I intend to embrace. I can confront people all the time that are wrong and they simply need to change. But that spirit of offense that I carry inside my heart is guaranteed to block my vision and put me in a place where I'm going to act in ways that are contrary to my own goals. And it's the kingdom imperative that will keep me on track. In John's case by preaching the kingdom at hand, he was threatening Herod anyway. And on top of that, he told Herod that the relationship he had because he was with his brother's wife, because he rebuked him for it and rebuked him publicly for it. Herod has his grudge and is coming after him. The other thing about the kingdom imperative is the kingdom imperative lived inside of Israel ever since the time of David because the time of David was... um, Camelot, if you will. For Israel, it was Israel's Camelot. It was their moment in the sun. And from David to Christ, all they thought about was, we want David back on the throne. We want David back. And God had promised to the prophets that David would come and be on the throne. The son of David would come. And so, when John was announcing Jesus as the King, the thing lying behind that was that He's the King of David. Once again, another threat to Herod. All those things are well known to this congregation. You're well versed in these things. Well, what about Jesus of being offensive? He heard about the deeds of the Christ. Was He offended? Remember, he heard about the deeds of the Christ. Well, who can get offended at blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, the lepers being cleansed, the deaf hearing? Well, here's who can be offended at that. A guy who's in prison, who's expecting to be uh, involved in the, the emergence of the new kingdom. It just is so hard for us to realize that what they actually wanted was for Jesus to displace Herod displace the Romans and establish a proper kingdom. And so, um, the offense that they feel is not much different than the offense that you feel every day when you turn on Fox and, uh, and, and NMSNBC. It's a very similar kind of offense, whether you realize it or not. Um, uh, I always say, uh, we don't have truth-tellers in America, we have truth-shapers in America. And they're all, the objective of all of it is to get us offended, right? And so Jesus sends back the word and says, here's what I'm doing. And the truth is what what Jesus was doing was fine, but it was ancillary to what John wanted to happen here now. And he wanted to be part of. And so he's offended at the deeds of the Christ. But notice this, notice this one more thing. John said, he's the Holy Spirit guy. I see the Holy Spirit on him. When Jesus sent back word, he said, well, here's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Healing, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, raising the dead. Acts of the Holy Spirit. Acts of the Spirit of God. And telling this, blessed is the one who's not offended at me. So again, one more time. And that's, by the way, that's the, that's the next beatitude In Matthew's gospel. You know Matthew has the beatitudes. Blessed is the poor. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And blessed is the one who's not offended in me. Blessed how? You'll receive what I'm carrying. Okay. So let's close here. I think we could change this word to. What should I do since I'm offended? (laughs) How do I get a perspective shift? Because it's really amazing. When your perspective about somebody shifts, everything changes. It's amazing how often somebody that you think is a certain way, you sit down to a meal with them and you come away, oh my goodness, not like I thought it was at all? Unless you sit down with Papa Allen and you go, yep, he's just like I thought. Mm." (laughs) He's that guy. So I have prepared for you this. uh, What do I do if I'm offended? And it's going to come in in a way that you'll understand. (laughs) Hallelujah. Alan learned to push another button. (laughs) John started off the right way on this. John said, go ask him interesting, isn't it? John declared him, and then John says, go ask him. Go confirm this. Ask questions. Ask questions. Um, you don't know everything about situations or people. And a lot of times, if you ask questions, I can't tell you how many times I've been mad at somebody for the way they were, and then somebody will tell you, tell me, will say something like this. Do you know his story? Do you know her story? No. And they start telling you the story of all they've been through. And you're like, now you're feeling like a creep. <laughs> now you're feeling like a creep. So ask questions. When, you, when you're offended, dig down inside yourself and say, maybe I don't have all the facts. That's how you come to Jesus. I'm, you know, by the way, a, a church life, ask questions. <coughs> Um, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing that you pass through when you come to the doors of this church that, that, that scans you to see if you're good enough to be here. <laughs> what kind of people they got down there at that church just like you? Just like me? Ask questions. <laughs> Consider the cost... What cost? The cost of the path you're on. Will your remedy for this situation make things better or worse? Will your will in this situation heal or hurt? Is your cure going to make everybody better or is it just going to make everybody sick? Because can I tell you something? Most of us when we're offended, we just want everybody to be as sick as we are. And there's this beautiful fellowship that we have when somebody agrees with us about how angry we are. Mom, if I can, I got in a twist one time about. 2005. You know, it took me about five years to get over myself. Because I was right. And after the fact, you know how many people said, man, you were miserable to be around? Because you were right. Dead Right you spread death everywhere. This is how this, this stuff runs its course. Consider the cost. Reconsider your imperative. John's imperative was still, was still right. And Jesus took his imperative and went right on with it. John did not understand the way Jesus went on with it. But John needed to understand, and Jesus sent him word. You tell him I'm doing just what he proclaimed I would do. He just didn't understand it all. If there's anything about old covenant, they didn't understand the new covenant. But you and I have the mind of Christ. Paul tells us once while, You have the mind of Christ. Are you Are you thinking like are you thinking with the mind of Christ? Or are you thinking with the mind of of uh, old Alan? Because the mind of Christ is so upside down. Don't take revenge, give forgiveness. Don't get, give. Don't be the lead dog in the sled, humble yourself. It's such an upside down way of thinking. If you remember your imperative, um, my, my imperative is preach the gospel, right? There've been many times in preaching the gospel that there's been many reasons why I was like ready to cash it in. Um, Again, I was saying last night, I'll probably be a little more gentle this morning. Uh, I I said last night that when when I was in the Baptist church, there were two experiences of the Holy Spirit that they had to be sure that you had. The first one is, are you really saved? And if you're going to do anything with Baptist folks, they want to know your salvation story. You got to have a salvation story. And if you don't have a good proper salvation story, you have to work on it and get it... (laughs) Get it dressed up good, you know. God forbid that you should just grow up and always believe. <laughs> you were you were under some suspicion if you were like that. Um, and then if, if if you were going to go on missions or if you were going to uh, go into the ministry, I'll guarantee you you're gonna, you sit down with people and they say, "Well, we want you to tell us about your salvation, and then we want you to tell us about your call." Because what they want to know is, do you have an imperative in you? Now listen, they're right to ask these questions because I will tell you, if you're not living inside of an imperative that's bigger than all the stuff you're going to face, you're going to crumble. You're guaranteed to crumble. Because sooner or later, there's going to come a moment when, some, when, when the only reason left, the only shred of reason left of why you're still doing this is because God made you do it. I'm called. And so it doesn't matter what you get called, you're called. It doesn't matter what happens to you, he's put his hand on you. Now the thing of it is, what, what's different about, just so you'll know, what's different about being in, the, in, in this kind of church is that there's a kingdom imperative on everyone, If you've been baptized into Christ, there's a kingdom imperative on you. That means to say your life is about something other than what you think it's about. Your life is about being a baptized disciple of Jesus in whatever sphere you are, wherever you are, however you're called on to act, however you're living. And that kingdom imperative is bigger than your broken heart, bigger than your angry mind, bigger than your wounded body, bigger than the, your pocketbook gone awry, bigger than your reputation in shreds. That, that imperative is bigger than any other compelling storyline of your life. I belong to him. <clears throat> Reconsider your imperative. Number four, make room for what you haven't understood. The beautiful thing about the post-resurrection language of the apostles is that they speak as if everything that they'd been expecting has come and they go, this is what all of our predecessors longed to see. It's happened to us. We are those upon whom the ends of the ages have come. They talk to us as if they had it. Because for you and I to stand on this side of Christ and to have received him and to have received a new heart and to have received Holy Spirit and to have received forgiveness of sins and to receive a hope that never passes away. To be here and to have received it. I don't I don't ever say, I wish I'd been with those disciples because I would have been as muddled as they were. I'm so glad I'm on this side and I go, wow. And as a pastor, it happened to me last night. I'm walking around my church and I'm seeing people. I know how they were when they walked in the doors, their hopes shattered and suddenly their arms are extended. I knew how they were the first time I met. They couldn't meet your eyes and suddenly their eyes are full of brightness and some of the crystallized life is the tears falling from their faces. And I stood among these teenagers and I know how they've come from broken homes and drug addicted parents and been abandoned and been beaten, mistreated and have come into a youth group where, oh my gosh, they're now, they're now worshiping Jesus with reckless abandon and freedom on themselves. and I go and I go that's it. And so John had to make room for what he did not understand that Christ came to bring a kingdom that transforms lives, transforms hearts and ultimately will transform the world but not in the political way that you're expecting. The political spirit will always end where the political spirit always ends broken lives, shattered truth, twisted minds. By the way, I'm not saying don't go into politics. I'm saying don't have a political spirit. I'm not saying don't think about transforming the existing structures. Do it. But don't do it with a politicalized heart. Do it with a renewed heart. Do it with a kingdom heart. Do it with a restored heart. Do it with the resources of the kingdom. Love, joy, peace. Make room for what you haven't understood. Last of all, humble yourself again. What does it mean to humble yourself? It means to receive. If you don't need anything, you won't receive. But if you need something, you will humble yourself and receive. Let me say it another way. The kingdom is right on the other side of humbling yourself. And so it's very strange. I'm offended and I'm the one that has to humble myself. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? When I first got involved in the renewal, I closed. I mean, this is definitely... It, uh, when I first got involved in the renewal, I went, you know, there's things about these people that I don't understand. And one of the things that mystified me the most was the maintaining of a generous spirit in the midst of things that offended me ridiculously. I'm not talking here about somebody barking or falling out in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> I'm talking about in the midst of people whose moral lives offended me, people whose personal presence offended me, people whose style offended me. And I would watch the leaders that I walk around with refuse to be offended. And I was both mad at them because they didn't agree with me and mystified with them because I said, I don't know what it is, but I think I need it. And then I came to understand this truth that an offended heart closes down and receives nothing. And then I came out, found out that the only way to get rid of of, of an offended heart is to say there must be something wrong with the way I'm seeing things. Maybe I can get down low enough where I can see what I'm not seeing. And he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. Would you stand? Oh, how I love being your pastor. Ministry team, it's been so helpful to have a ministry team come. If you're not needing to deal with something in the, in the Lord today, if you're, and you're on my ministry team, would you come and stand at the front and get ready to receive your brothers and sisters? Ah, yeah. Some of, my, some of my brand new ministry team is coming. I like that. I like that. I like that. Holy Spirit, would you come and pour yourself out on us and pour love out on us and pour grace out on us? And would you help us? Because we're going to humble ourselves. And so anyone here who needs to receive the word that was given today and needs to receive the blessing of a new perspective, come. Come now. Come. Come get prayer. Come pray.